0: have two people that haven't cried and we're going to work on them tonight. We're going to try to <laughs> get that out, but really literally, I mean, God has just shown up and he's he's really uh so wonderful. And you know, we're in the we're in the these times uh, the Lord promised um that in the in the end age that there would be there would go forth the spirit of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and children to the fathers that includes daughters too mothers, but um, I really believe we're in that time. Uh, There are several men uh, that I want to recognize, a couple of men uh, in particular I want to recognize tonight that have been carrying this Father's message, at least from the 90s, and uh, have really impacted my life. Obviously, my pastor, Terry Moore, for 10 years, um, you know, just over and over again, declaring the goodness of the Father and the relationship that he wants with us, but also uh, a guy that's just impacted my life a lot is uh, a guy named Jack Frost. How many of you know who I'm talking about? A few of you, quite a few of you. And Jack has been carrying this message for years and uh, just has incredible depth, depth and wisdom. And the Lord will use those who are broken uh, to carry a message. And um, just think about in your own lives, you know, where's that place? What's that thing that the Lord's going to do through me? What's my message? And uh, I think I've found mine. Uh, I I love to know that God loves me. And I um, as I shared over the last few days, I shared a lot of, of intimate details about my own life. And I won't obviously tonight we've got a little bit of time, so I won't be able to go deep in a lot of the things that that I'd love to tell to you, but. Um, from a place of brokenness, from a place of, of, you know, of really being able to relate, you can give a message that, you know, it's your story. And I, I just encourage every one of you uh, as we go through these things tonight, find your story in this. We're, we're going to go after two things. I really believe the Lord uh, wants to deal with two things tonight. In pre-service prayer, I was just thinking, Lord, what do you want to do? How do you want to do this tonight? And it's like, let's go after two things. We're going to go after the orphan spirit, and you may not know what that term means or hasn't heard that term before, but we'll talk about that. And we're going to go after this thing called shame. And it's time for the body of Christ to get free so that they can go out and free others. And I really believe we're going into a strong time of evangelism. I believe that through the uh, all of the things that are lining up across the world, all of the things that are happening right now, As we've shared many times in these end times, we're going to have a great opportunity to reach the lost. Did you know how we're going to reach them? We're going to love them. That they don't want to hear another message of how screwed up they are, they've already heard that. Uh, We want to to get to a place in our own lives where we don't have to um, evangelize that way. We want to get to a place that we're so full of God's love that if we never tell them we're with the church, it'll be okay. If we never tell them that we're part of a a ministry, it'll be okay. People need love and acceptance right where they are. And no matter where we are along the continuum, we all have a ways to go. I don't know anybody that's at 100%, so we're qualified, right? So tonight, I'm going to ask you to go deep. Uh, There's some things that the Lord wants to root out. There's some things that the Lord wants to talk about. Other thing is, you know, we cry out for revival, 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 but, you know, revival starts at home in your, own, in your own house, with your own brothers and sisters, with your father and your mother, with your wife or your husband. Revival starts at home. And I really believe that, you know, the focus of getting God's love in us, uh, the focus and the true test of that is how are we doing at home? are the closest people to in our in our lives what would they say about the relationship we have with them and what would we be able to determine by that what kind of relationship we have with the father did you know they're connected that if you if your relationships are awesome with other people you probably know the father but if they're not that awesome we need to probably go there and we we live you know, we've got an awesome father that loves us. You think about it, I've had my grandbabies in town, my uh, daughter Maddie's in town with Nico, and yeah, where is she? Oh, there you are. Hi. <laughs> she was over there earlier. She's transporting right in front of me. It's already happening, the gifts. And Nico, he's so cute, but it's so wonderful to watch those kids and just the love we have for them. You know, we loved them like that before they did anything. I mean, before they even smiled at us, we loved them like that. When I got him, went up to the hospital and he was born, I loved him like that. That's the way Father is with us. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to earn your way to God. And um, <clears throat> what we learned is a lot of the time we project our earthly father's image onto God. And it's really not fair to God because, you know, a man's just a man. There are no perfect fathers and mothers out there. And we certainly haven't bashed them this week. What we're trying to do is really discover the truth, though. We don't want to say, well, everything was fine. It was just great. I don't want to remember all that stuff. We need to get to the truth so that we can get healed, so that we can forgive and release. And they can that actually is a blessing to those who have offended or hurt you, and every father and mother have in one way or another. And we want to forgive and release fathers and mothers where they also get free. It works both ways. And, and we've done a lot, of that, a lot of that this week. But our wounds can a lot of times separate us from God. And so I want to go into that a little bit tonight. We want to go in after this orphan spirit thing that separates us from be able, being, being able to let God in. Uh, John 16, 27 says, For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. We... Uh, We have gone deep with trying to uh, really to express who God is, who's Father God. And most of us are very comfortable when we talk about our Jesus. And that's why I brought this cross up here. If it were not for Jesus, we wouldn't be able to preach a message like this. If it were not for Jesus and his great sacrifice, we'd all be lost. So, you know, Jesus is the way to the Father. And Jesus did it all at the cross. And tonight, after the after we finish, I want to have a ministry time. And, and if there are issues in your life that we touch tonight, I want you to come up here and lay it, lay it at the cross when we have a, a ministry time, a prayer time after. Just come and lay your burdens at the cross. And remember all he did. And he is faithful to take it. And Father is waiting with arms wide, just like the prodigal father that saw his son coming. His son had been with the pigs, which was, in that day and time, you had to be set apart for seven days and be cleansed because you're unclean. He saw his, his, his kid come that took his entire inheritance and blew it on all kinds of things his father wouldn't have approved of. He saw his, his son coming with the muck of the road and the pigs and the, that new shirt he bought before he left town was ripped and torn, and he's coming up the road, and his father ran to him with open arms. And there he was, wanting to be a slave in his father's house. And he goes, no, you're not a slave. He puts the robe on him and covers him, covers his sin. He puts the ring on his finger and established him back in a a powerful position in the home, put sandals on his feet. The slaves didn't have shoes. And he said, no, restore him, kill the calf. Let's do everything we can to celebrate his homecoming. And that's exactly the kind of father we have. That's why he put it in the Word. He's saying, that is me. Come to me. I want you just like you are. No matter what you've done, I'll still take you. And that's what we got to get hold of. I'm getting hold of it more every every single day. If I want to love my wife like that, I got to get it first in here. If I want to love my children like that, I got to get it in here. And I'm going for it. Go with me. I want to pray before we dig in here. And ask the Holy Spirit to come. Father, I just pray right now that you would reveal to us that you, were, that you created us for love and intimacy with yourself. Lord, that you had no other reason, that you didn't need somebody to, to till the earth. Lord, you, you made us because you want to be with us and you want to do life with us. Father, we thank you for that. We, I pray tonight that you would help us to establish our identity and what you've said about us in the word of God. I pray that that we could begin to believe the good stuff about ourselves, Lord, everything that you've said about us in your word, that we could start to believe our identity um, as you've said it instead of just whatever the world's told us, Lord, and that you would help us to go deep in you so we could love others that way too. Lord, we recognize tonight that we need intimacy with you, that we've got to have you, Lord, to be what you've called us to be in this age. Lord, we, we acknowledge the fact that you created us as a gift of intimacy for yourself, for your Son, for the Holy Spirit, but for everyone around us as well. We thank you for those things in Jesus' name. Amen. Father God wants you to live in peace. And I don't know really how to describe it, but uh, my wife said this one time to me. She said, getting to that place where you can sit down on the inside. I remember years ago, she sent me a card. It was a postcard of an empty beach chair. And, and in, inside in the inscription, she wrote of my life, how I could never, literally could never sit down. I was charging around, doing something all the time. Literally, I could not sit in a chair for five seconds. I'm up and I'm doing, going, right or wrong. And she wrote that card to me in, with, as an encouragement that I would reach a time in my life where I would have peace, where I could sit down on the inside. I'm going to tell you, I've done that. I've changed so much. My daughter and, and was just telling me the other day, said, Dad, you've changed so much. It's unbelievable how much you've changed. And really, there's no, I haven't done anything, it's just, I'm, I, as I go along, I keep shaking at the walls, and I just want to get these walls all the way down and let God in, you know? Um, and it's just that place of communing with him, being a part of what he's doing, being su- subject to his mission or in submission to him. And we're going to go for it. We're going to keep going for it in this house. I wanted to hit a couple of topics pretty quick just to kind of lay a little bit of foundation. I want to talk about mothers for just a minute, that uh, mothers are basically the, the first contact that we have with love. Even while you're uh, still in the womb, my daughter's pregnant, my daughter's pregnant. Do I have any others? Now, I've got two pregnant ones right now. And, uh, but while the baby's still in the womb, the mother begins to minister love. She sings over the baby, she rubs her belly, she's she's happy, she's, you know, she begins to nurture at the point of inception. And you know that's a lot before the time of birth. That's nine months that she loves on that baby and nurtures and cares for that baby. And then for the first two years um afterwards, even as I saw in the house full of kids running everywhere today, they're they're picking them up. If somebody cries, Oh baby, what's wrong? You know, they're just right there you know, stuffing a pacifier in their mouth, you know, doing whatever they do when they take them back in the kid's room and they come out and they smell better. All these things (laughs) that they're doing because they're taking care of those babies. If one cries, they pick it up. Looking in their eyes with those soft eyes and those kind words and that affectionate touch. And that's what uh, we call uh, storge or storge, love, depending on where you go the Greek. But that's the, the kind of love that a mother gives away. And when you don't have that kind of love, maybe the mother was had all kinds of storms going on in her life at the time, but this is not a condemnation thing. It's just that no matter how it happened, if you don't have that kind of love in your life, it can begin to get off at those very first two years of life. It can get off somewhat. And because of that, we can be born again, saved, you know, up here casting out demons and raising the dead. But if we don't deal with that core issue, we would see God as far off. God is one that is hard to trust. God that's one that's hard to let close or we can't know him intimately uh, like that until the Lord's healed it. And I'll just tell you, there's nothing, I don't believe there's anything we can do That's more important right now than to get that part right, to get our relationship with Father God right. We can build on that. We're tapping into the very source of all power. You know, do we want to build a little power plant over here of our own, this little tiny thing, or do we want to tap into this massive power plant of love? And and we just got to cut those things off that hinder. Uh, So mothers, you know, regardless... You know, where they were in their life or whatever, if you didn't get that, we want to leave that at the cross tonight. And fathers, you know, there are no perfect fathers. Uh, they love us. They lay down their lives, mothers and fathers, all, all the time. But, you know, we're like, well, yeah, I had a great dad. Well, were you abused? Yeah, I was abused. Well, what else? And you just go down the line, and it's like, wow, you're very forgiving. But we don't want to, we don't want to confuse forgiveness with the truth. We need to get to the truth first in all matters and then go for the forgiveness. Are y'all with me? So there are several kinds of fathers. We talked about the good father. Um, We talked just for a minute about, uh, I want to talk just a minute about this generation because a lot of the young men coming up in this generation, especially the young men, they find it very hard to leave the comfort of their good father's home to go out into the world and make their own way. There's food on the table, there's a warm bed, there's probably a gasoline credit card laying around somewhere, and it's hard to go out, strike out in this day and age. And if that's you, I want to just say to you that the, the core issue there is we've got to, when we leave our father's house, and we're supposed to, when we leave our father's house, we've got to have a relationship that's rooted and grounded in our father, in our father in heaven. Do we trust Him to meet our need? Do we trust Him to help us with our daily decisions? Do we trust Him to walk with us every day? Food, shelter, clothing, you know, a a, a meaning, a purpose. Because when we live in our Father's house, He's giving us all that, and He's directing our lives every day, right? So we've got to get rooted and grounded as a people in the Father. So that we can go out and make our own way. In the animal kingdom, if you don't, your your parent, you know, the lion, he chews on you a little bit and chases you off. If you try to come back, he won't let you. Because there's a time to leave your father's house. But the good father, we're all blessed if we had a good father. We're all blessed if if, you know, just like one of the testimonies tonight, that when I thought of my father, there wasn't one bad thing I could think of. That's a blessing, but it's not always that way performance oriented father that's the father that um you feel like it's not what he means he loves you father loves you he wants the best for you he's just coming out of a wounded place himself probably probably had a performance oriented dad as well but even though it's not true you feel like you're only loved and approved when you hit the ball right when you're doing it right when you're you know you look right, you act right, you're hitting the grades at school, or you're doing it well out in the business world. The performance-oriented father is the type that you feel like you got to measure up all the time. Did you know we project that on God as well? When you're reading your Bible enough, when you're praying enough, when you're you know doing the, all the stuff, then you feel like, oh, I can come to you, father. Did you see that revival? I mean, did you see how many people came down and got saved and got healed? man, I feel close to you right now, Father. But when you hadn't read your Bible in a couple of weeks, it's like, oh, um, we hide, don't we, from the performance-oriented Father. The passive Father, he's there, but he's not there. You know, he's there in body. There, there he is in his office. But the passive Father, he doesn't have it to give. He's Maybe he's spent from the day. Maybe he's you know, um, got lots of issues going on in his life of his own. And so he just doesn't emotionally have that well inside him. He doesn't have maybe not full of the father's love, may not even be saved, and he doesn't have that big well of love to just greet you at the door and love you like the prodigal father did. And then the absentee father. For many reasons, absentee fathers happen. I mean. If you think about it, the divorce rate in the church today is about like the the divorce rate in the world. If you think about it, you know you got men going off to war, you've got, uh, you know, people they pass away. I mean, they like I said, they leave for one reason or another, and you've got a society built on. If it's not working, you know, move on. It's uh, you know, hey. This wasn't working out. I'm not happy, you know, um, so I got to go. I mean, we, we're we obviously not compatible anymore, incompatibility. And so, again, apart from that love of the Father where we are in submission to him and his will and the way he set it up and we're able to take correction and admonishment and come under His His uh, even his care with those that are in authority in our lives, it's, I don't know how you do it. I sure couldn't. I shared that this week. So, you got the passive. So, you got also the the absentee and then the authoritarian father who is the lover of the law and he loves the law more than, you know, he loves, I mean, he probably loves very deeply, but he loves the law, you know, the love of law more than the law of love. And he's just, he's just authoritarian. I'm, it's my way or the highway, you know, come into obedience right now. But that authoritarian father a lot of times uh, will we'll, we'll drive the child's heart away. They're going to be in submission, or they're going to be in trouble. So that, that child's heart is not attached. Their deeds are there. They do it exactly like their father's asking. They do the law. I'll clean my room. I'll cut the grass. I'll go to school. I'll do this, and I'll do that. But his heart is not attached to his father's he's doing it to keep from being in trouble. Did you know the church is full of people that are doing it to so they won't get in trouble? It's sad. It's true, though, that there's so many that are trying to keep the rules and the statutes and, and, and make sure we don't mess up and, and manage our sin and manage our lives. But that's not who God called us to be. Why'd he make us for that? It's like, I'm going to make a bunch of guys down there, and uh, let's see if they can keep all these rules. We already found that out, didn't we? About 2,000 years ago. Look back. Men can't keep those rules. But well, we have Jesus. He changed everything in that regard. And we don't have to live like slaves anymore. We can put our heart, we can give our heart to the Lord because we want to. Did you know you'll, his kindness leads us to repentance? His love draws us, and that's what we've got to focus on, guys, that true relationship where we can't wait to be with our Father. And the disciplines, they'll be there. You know, people say, oh, that's just a grace, you false grace preaching son of a gun, you, you know. Well, wait a minute. I have dug these scriptures out over and over and over again. The grace message is right. It is. It's I all mean, you read it. It says grace and mercy and love and kind. He's drawing us in. That's all he's ever wanted. So we got to get hold of this. We're so afraid, we'll give a license to sin that the world will go to hell. Well, where is it now? How's that working out? Think about it. I can't pull on Fox News without seeing soft pornography at the bottom of the page. Can you? It's nuts. And we're wondering, can we ever get the church to act right, do right? Yes, we can. It's in that relationship with the loving father so we don't feel like an orphan spirit running around here trying to keep a bunch of rules and laws. The abusive father. And we, you know, this is harsh. When you have an abusive father. He had probably re- repressed anger of his own, probably didn't get That nurturing on his mother's breast, he probably wasn't full of a heart of God, probably didn't have that kind of relationship if he's abusive. Or maybe he's just got so many struggles, anger right under the surface, bam, the first time you mess up. And there can be all kinds of abuse. It might not be physically abusing or sexually abusing. It could be those verbal abusing or that wrinkled eye that says, I'll kill you if you ever do that again. And for the first part of my life, that was my father. He wasn't abusive in in the ways, in, in some of the ways, the way he was abusive is his thundering voice, commanding, thundering voice, and that wrinkled brow that said, you mess up like that one more time, kid, and the side of my foot will kick you over the wagon again. And I knew not to mess with my dad, and I kept the laws and rules, but my heart wasn't attached in those early years. I thank God my father, when he hit his 50s, he softened and he gave his life to the Lord and was baptized and he spent the rest of his life uh just digging out the word he loved the word of God and it changed him and it ch- everybody noticed it i mean right there there was a mark in time when he gave his life to the Lord he got his heart filled with the Father and he changed now I was already out of the house by then i was an adult I'm like Lord let's talk about the timing here but you know my father was a great man, a wonderful man. That was the only thing is don't get near him. If he's upset, he's going to, and there's no telling what he'll do. See, it had been better if he'd have done something. Then I'd know what was coming. And he didn't go around beating us up. He just, you didn't know what he was going to do. He just had that threat in on you. So, uh, again, all these different father types. And um, so we... You know, if we need to forgive our fathers, we need to forgive our mothers, we need to release them, we need to love them, we need to leave it at the cross and get rid of the woundedness that can be in our heart from those relationships. Hey, we didn't pick our father and mother, the Lord did. And he wanted you to have a different father and mother in the first place. He wanted you to have Adam and Eve never sin and pass that down years after years after years. I mean, if he had if that was would have happened, think you'd have perfect parents. They never sinned. There was no problem. But that's just not the reality, is it? It's important to know who Father is. How can you approach Father if you're, you know, if you grew up with a father that was angry and you think that you're going to get smacked the next time you mess up? Don't you see Father God the same way? He's just waiting for me to mess up. I know I'm going to screw it up again because. you know, that's just the way things are set up. It's just not fair. And I know I can't keep everything just right. And when I mess up, wham, here it comes. Well, that's not the kind of father we have. And he's been misrepresented by earthly fathers. He's been misrepresented by all kinds of people and all kinds of experiences in our lives. So who is he? Jesus told uh, that he came to reveal the Father. What did he say? Uh, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Remember, he's talking, talking to Philip about this. Philip's like, Lord, show us the Father. That'll be enough. He's like, you've seen him. What's the deal? No, we, what do you mean? We we haven't seen the Father. said, yeah, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So he's saying, I'm an exact representation of the Father. He's loving. He's kind. He's compassionate. He's, he said, he's telling me to do all these works. Where do you think this is coming from? I only do what I see my father doing. I only say what I hear him saying. I only heal who he shows me to heal. That's our father. He's not angry. He's not upset. He, the father says he judges no one. He gave the judgment over to his son. The son said the word would judge you in the last day. It's after he comes. Then the judgment comes. That's what the word says. So there's nobody judging you. How's that feel? <sighs> Shake that off. Now, there will be a judgment. There will be correction. Our father does bring correction to us. When you correct your son, I hope that it's for his own good, right? Oh, he's running out in the street again, but I just hate to spank him. Let him go on out there. I just don't like to be that kind of parent, you know. I don't believe in that. No, you have to corral your children. Now, you're going to hurt themselves, and they're going to hurt other people. So, oh, Father, he'll bring correction to you, but he's not up there judging you. He's not some distant, far away, you know, out there by Mars somewhere. He's here. He's this close. And he's not judging you. And he loves you with an everlasting love, and he made you because you're a gift of love to everybody around you and to him. we got to get that. So you're valuable. We only have, A choice, two fathers. We're going to choose God, the Father, Father Us. And not making a choice or choosing the Father of lies is the same effect. If we in other words, not doing anything, we're choosing the Father of lies. Living apart from the love of God in our in our hearts, we're choosing the father of lies. I know that. I lived it. I accepted Christ in that little Church of Christ in Harrah, Oklahoma, years ago, but I never made him Lord. You know what? I did what my father said too, but I didn't make him Lord either. Do you see how this is playing out? But once I, I got out in the world, I did everything the way I wanted to, my will, my will, my will, and I got the best the world had. Guess what? It broke me down. I was on my knees and, you know, in a public restaurant crying like a girl. It was crazy. You're supposed to laugh at that. (laughs) You know you're at the right church where the men cry more than the women do, right? Come on. We need to live and choose Father. We need to be deliberate about it, and we need to realize that he loves us and we'll be going around giving those testimonies. woohoo, hoo I feel different. I'm all light today. All right, I'm going to uh, a couple of quick things and I'm going to give you 12 steps to how we become orphans or we orphan spirit. I'm not talking orphan in the orphan in the natural. I'm talking the orphan spirit. Before I do that though, a couple of hindrances to what I've been talking about here. Lord said I speak only what I've seen with Um, I speak what I've seen with my father, and you do what you've seen with your father. He was admonishing them for saying, you know, the the religious sect at the time, he said, your father is the father of lies. My father is the father in heaven. And he was was making a clear distinction that there are two different fathers we can uh, follow. Maybe religion... In your life, like it was in mine, religion was used, the father was used, or at least that's the way I perceived it as a young boy, that the father was used to bring a, uh unhealthy fear of father or uh, in, in order to um, control behavior. Is that fair? Can you give me that much grace? In other words, it was like the father sees everything you do. If you mess up, he's going to see it. Even if I don't see it, he's going to see it, which to me meant once he sees it, he's probably angry and he could fly off the handle any minute and whack, here it comes. So what does that do to me wanting to be intimate with him, wanting to have that relationship that he, you know, let his son die for? Again, that projected, twisted image. Or maybe a rip, rep, misrepresentation, like I was saying, about earthly people, others in our lives, our fathers, our mothers, people in authority, the church, anybody could have hurt you by saying, this is who the father is, uh, not not who I'm describing right now. You know? Okay, I'm going to give you the 12 steps. Um, uh, Jack Frost had, had, did a teaching on... Um, Just on the orphan spirit, and I pulled out of that teaching 12 steps, and it's a progression that we can go through and end up uh, having that orphan spirit, which is not healthy for us. And if you're taking notes, I mean, you're going to have to be fast because I did a fly through this, but um, focus on parental faults is the first one that starts it all off. We're watching our mother and father we're seeing the faults in them, we're seeing the misrepresentations of the Father's love in their lives to us. And we begin to watch them, and we begin to make judgments about their life right where they are, and we and, and the misrepresentations of the Father's love, uh, you know, the Father's this mean, angry, far away, distant, aloof, not involved in my life type Father, like all those Father types I gave you earlier. So, you start to... Not really bond and trust father because you don't bond and trust with your own father or your own mother if you didn't have the nurturing I mentioned earlier. So, um, number one, focus on the parental faults and their shortcomings. Number two is disappointment, rejection, and wounds can come in from that place of watching their lives going, Ooh, I'm disappointed, I'm rejected, I take it as personal rejection when they treat me that way and wounds can open up. You take their unhealthiness as a personal rejection. It goes to the heart. So they're having a bad day. They fly off the handle, and it says, there's something wrong with me. Otherwise, my father wouldn't talk to me like that, and pain is triggered at a young age. Number three is you lose what we call basic trust in parents and in God. What I mean by basic trust is it's not that you think your father is going to shoot you in your sleep. It's, it's a It's a basic trust, which would be more like if my daughter had her foot down here and I stepped on it. Oh, honey, would you forgive me for that? You would? You know I love you, right? But next time I walk by her, she's going to pull her foot back. That's basic trust. There's just, it's that knee jerk. It's, it's, I'm not sure I, you know, I know he loves me, but if he walks by there, my foot's going up. I'm not... I'm not going to keep leaving my foot out there, right? So that's basic trust. You lose the basic trust in parents, and then we project it on God as well. Um, Fear of submission, number four. Fear of submission to parental authority. I I can't really submit. I can't really tuck under. I might keep the rules. I might not. But I can't really submit my heart level. Again, we're not talking about just doing works and rules. My heart level not surrendered, see. and um, and then not comfortable with admonition. In other words, somebody brings correction. Father brings correction, and you take it as a personal insult, or you feel like you know they're they're criticizing. You take it as criticism. We need admonition in our lives, don't we? If we're messing up or if, we're you know, we walk together as brothers and our brother's messing up, we do need to help him. Say, hey, you, you know, I noticed this. This is what's going on. But not, you know, can the brother receive it? If he does, you know, all the better. You've won him over and helped him and everything else. But a lot of times when we, everything's going right, and, and this has been my experience even, even with uh, other Christians, and probably I've done this to others. As long as everything's going right, we can walk uh, hand in hand with one another. But the minute I bring correction or the minute you bring correction, suddenly it's a split. We, no, uh-uh. I, don't, I, don't, I can't because I don't agree with, and then we're just out of there. So it's not being able to walk like that uh, because when you bring correction, you better have a good relationship. You better have it founded on the right thing. you gotta, you got to love one another. Because um, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Number five, a closed spirit. So we begin to just numb out. You get your spirit just closes down. We'd, we're not open to receive. We're not vulnerable. We're not, we're not, you know, we're not out here. We're here. We're closed down in the spirit. Number six, become independent and self-reliant. Uh-oh. Here we go. Start that spirit of rebellion, that independence, that self-reliance. I don't need anybody. But, you know, I've got to do this on my own. And again, projecting that on Father, he doesn't care anyway. He's not involved in my life. You know, maybe he is. He probably loves me. I can give him that much, but I just don't know him like that. You know, all these people are talking about. You know, hey, Father said this to me and all that stuff. I think half of it's fake anyway. And I, you know, I he's never talked to me like that. Maybe there's something wrong with me. And those are the kinds of things that the other father begins to tell you, oh, son, you don't want to believe that stuff. Those crazy Christians are just a bunch of wounded people. Let me tell you what's really going on here. See that thing that glitters over there? That's what you need to go for. There's where where it all is. That's what you really want. Become independent and self-reliant is six. Number seven is to start to control the relationships. In other words... The manipulation of the relationships, I've got this, and I can get you to give me what I need to try to get my need met if I manipulate you with it. I'll withhold things. I won't, I won't open up my heart. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll let you go just so far, and then I'll hold you back, and that's the start of the Jezebel spirit. We've all heard of the Jezebel spirit, where we control others' activities, and we know how to do it. Or if somebody tries to bring admonition, you blow up at them, you know, to gain control. Oh, the last time I say anything like that, that guy blows up, you know. So they, there are all kinds of manipulations. That's what it is. That's the Jezebel spirit coming on you to control you. And um, it's not a healthy situation. Again, we're going to lay this stuff at the foot of the cross, but I need to talk about the hard thing tonight, if that's all right. Is everybody okay? I just gotta keep going through this. It's gotta come out. Superficial relationships. Shallow how, man, that was me. You know? Hey, I want to date every girl in Dallas. You know? Strong relationship, right? Oh, I love you, John. You're so amazing. You're just the most wonderful. Oh, really? I need to borrow 20 bucks. Borrow money? I don't know you that well. That's crazy. Shallow relationships. When it comes down, to the rubber hits the road. That didn't really happen. That was... was Shallow relationships. Not going very far and very deep. You know, it's like, oh, so far. I want to keep you right out there. Ungodly belief can start to form. That ungodly belief about God. Feel like no one's going to meet your needs. There's no one that will meet my needs. There's no one that cares. Yeah, there is. He made you. He knitted you in your mother's womb. He, he made you exactly like he wanted you, and he made only one. Broke them all. That was it. It's crazy how we diminish the value of a human being when God made you. you got to get that. God wanted you exactly where you are. And he'll run to you, and he'll put a robe on you, and he'll put a ring on your finger and sandals on your feet, and he'll love you with an everlasting love, and you can't hold it all. you start crying in meetings. So number 10 is the orphan spirit begins to take root. The ungodly belief comes in, the orphan spirit takes root, begin to filter everything through that broken lens like one of the gals was talking about. Feel like you have to fight Scrap for everything. Nobody's gonna give me anything. I gotta fight for everything I get. That's an orphan spirit. When we begin to feel like, you know, I just I gotta striving to just get my part because nobody's gonna be fair with me. And God doesn't even know what I'm up to. He doesn't even care. Wrangle and control and manipulate to get their needs met. Also part of that orphan spirit. Number eleven. Here's where it manifests, counterfeit affection. So a need unmet will make you sick. You've got to meet your need. You, you're dying for love. You can't get it. You don't know it. You're not full of it. You can't give it to anyone else. You can't receive it. What you give, you get back. So what do you do? There are all kinds of things uh, that the world's advertising. You can't drive I-35 without seeing it on the billboards. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's all around us. There are so many counterfeit affections. You can't drive a mile without running into 25 of them. And the world is just saturated with the filth and the just the, I mean, it's a pig pen out there. And and unfortunately, it can be a pig pen in here too. We're going to do our part to root this thing out where it won't be. Starting with me, starting with everybody in this room, because we're the world changers. We have to believe that about ourselves. Why else did, did um, God give us an identity like this? Why else did he care to make us like this? Did he not intend for everyone in every seat to be a world changer? You're a world changer. you got to get that. Get hold of it. Counterfeit affections. Passions of the flesh. possession. I chased after possessions 21 years and got a lot of them and lost them all in one day. Possessions. It's hay hay and stubble. It, you know, it's it's like grass. It's here one day and burn up in the fire the next. It is. You can't take it with you. I'm just saying, what, I mean, really. God spends his whole life. And I'm not saying don't work. You know, I'm not going to be one of those preachers that tells you everything I'm not saying tonight either. I don't have enough time. So if you know me, you know I'm not saying that. I'm German and I'm Charlie Eckert's son. You need to work. But chasing after making work your god, it was that was me. I did it. And I'm telling you personally, firsthand, it doesn't work. God is God. Not the your paycheck. Counterfeit affections. Do so you have passions of the flesh, possessions, position, 700 employees, a half a billion dollars a year. You know what I, I felt like? I felt tired every night after 12-hour days, literally. I was too tired to manage the money, just give it to whoever. Guess what? They won't manage it very well. I'm just being honest. It's my testimony. Don't get mad at me. Position, Power. First you get the money, then you get the power, then you get the woman. Who can tell me? What movie? Thank you. You people are paying attention here. Power, you got to have the power. You got to rule over men, right? Love, um, I don't know if you ever saw it. Uh, I'm, who was that by? One of our great uh, founding fathers, I believe. Somebody will help me with this. But he talked about ruling over yourself before you rule other men. Who was that? Churchill or somebody. I don't remember who it was. Maybe it was one of our fathers. Was it Ben Franklin? I don't remember. It's one of those great writers. Okay, number 12, life of oppression. This is the final straw. So we went all these counterfeit affections and then life of oppression. In other words, we don't feel loved and accepted. And then when we're like that, we're in a vulnerable state. See, we've gone through the sin cycle now, and when you go through the sin cycle, then suddenly the the enemy can start attaching. He's got free reign. He's got an open door to attach shame to you. you will starting to, well, you blew it. You didn't do this right. You didn't do that right. Look at all those people you hurt. Look at all those, uh, you know, the passions of the flesh. God can't love a person like that. It says right in the Word that, you know, those idolaters and all that i mean you know you know you're not gonna there's something wrong with you you know you're all stained you can't go to heaven you're it just starts lying to you all the time and especially i mean there are some that are worse than others maybe because the society uh, holds certain sins up as uglier than the other sins, and there definitely are sins that hurt more people than others i'll give you that but sin sin right And any of that, if the enemy gets hold of it and can wield it just right, when it's your low point in your life, you know, you're lonely, you're whatever, the enemy can come at you with that stuff. We're vulnerable. Did you know? We're all vulnerable. Pastors across America have fallen. Everywhere. Great men of God saved. Saved thousands, maybe millions. Who knows? We're all vulnerable in that state. We got to get Past the orphan spirit because that's what it's acting on, that orphan spirit, got to get my need met. I got to get my need met somewhere. And you will. You'll bond to something. So shame is one that can come in. And I want to hit that one real quick. One of Satan's best uh, weapons because it not only disqualifies you in your own mind, you begin to be a self-hater. You begin to close down you begin to say, I'm not qualified for anything after what I've done. God couldn't possibly love me because people don't love me. And you just start going through this vicious cycle uh, of the shame thing. So, just think about Adam and Eve in the garden. That's where it all started. That was, you know, we had a pretty good forerunner on the shame game. You know, you got Adam and Eve. They sinned. By the way, did you ever look, really read that passage? Um, it's in Genesis Genesis 3, but what was interesting to me is that Eve saw that the fruit was lovely to look at, good for food. She was motivated by the beauty of the very thing that, you know, ended up causing this. It looks good. I got to tell you, a lot of things in the world look good too. You know, a new 930 Turbo in my driveway was fun to drive, wasn't it, Matty? It was. I loved it. There are lots of beautiful things, a beautiful home. I mean, hey, that feels good. I'm not saying don't have those things. What I'm saying is they're not our God. Once they fell into sin in the garden, guess what they did, the first thing? They hid from God, and they covered themselves with fig leaves. I'm going to take you through a little fig leaf illustration. I wish I could give you the author of this. I just found it. Um, but I'll I'll run through it with you. Uh, I don't know if we have this in the overheads, but I know we have it as a handout. Maybe is there is that on the on the back of this? Okay, let's go through it. This is the shame three uh, Genesis three seven shame fig um, leaf. Hope you like it. F I G L E A F. Number one fear. Fear comes in, shame causing fear. We begin to take on rejection, we have problems with intimacy, we have a fear of failure, so the F is fear, I is insecurity, insecurities can take root in the mind, will, and emotions, in the soul, the insecurities begin to rise up under the shame. Guilt, consequences of unconfessed sin, begin to get into self-condemnation and Self-judgment, un- unworthy, feel unclean. Loneliness goes into isolation, separation, no one to meet our need. The E is escapism, seeking comfort in addictions, compulsions, immorality, fantasies, business, even excessive working out or eating disorders or money or striving and hyper-religious activities. I'm going to be the best pastor I can be. Oh, I'm have the biggest church in town. I mean, you can literally get into it, no matter how good your intentions are, apart from having a, a set free heart. Anxiety is the A. Reaction to counterfeit affections. Don't want others to know the truth about us. We hide. We put on masks. We can hide sin, get into addictions, all kinds of things. Anxiety. The anxiety is really wanting others to believe that you're a different person than you are or that you're a different place in life than you are. So you're, the anxiety comes when the things don't line up. Anxiety's power is broken when you're just who you are. You're just open. You're transparent. Here's who it is. There's nothing else that you're going to find out. There's the anxiety. It's gone. It is. I've got certain, um, you know, expectations of you here. You gotta have all of those brick moved over there by the end of the day. Well, I'm gonna move every brick I can. I'm gonna work diligently all day, but at the end of the day, I'm have rest in peace. And if there's still a few bricks over there, I guess we'll have to do them tomorrow. The anxiety's gone. The anxiety is when you try to do more than you can do or you strive to make others believe you're different than you are. We don't need anxiety, but we have plenty of it, don't we? Yesterday, pull up it. Beltline and Preston. This guy hesitated a millisecond. I'm right beside him. He hesitated a millisecond. And the people behind him laid on the horn. Hey, come on, let's go. Starts saying all kinds of words. And it is crazy. Like he didn't even sit there that long. He wasn't even texting or anything. When we reject the love of the Father. We get into all kinds of issues that we don't need to get into. As believers, we can overcome this by the power of the cross. Jesus already did this for us. All we have to do is get real, go root out these problems, bring it to the foot of the cross. He'll forgive us our sins. He'll wash us clean. He's already said that he would literally, even the stain of, you know, sexual sins and all the kind that we like to just, even though God's forgiven us, to keep those around, you know, Because I got to remember those because, you know. Anyway, all that stuff, it just needs to go. We need to lay it at the foot of the cross, and we need to make sure that we root out whatever it is that made us do it in the first place. We're missing something, and we know what that something is. It's been the message this week, and I think for many, it's really touched uh, their lives, including mine. Intimacy is transparency. You want to get... You want to go deep with somebody? You got to tell them about yourself. You got to tell them about your life. You got to be transparent. You got to lay yourself bare. But afterwards, I love that guy. I love that gal. She's so awesome, really. Because she just told me about twenty-five things that she's done terrible. But did you ever notice how much more you love somebody when they just lay it all out there? They're just—they want to get free so badly that they're willing to be real. I'll take that any day. I don't know what I'm going to get in the other package. But with that package, I know exactly what I got. I can deal with that. I can work with that. Can't you? And we got to get real with that person that lives at your house. You see them every morning when you go in there to shave or you go in there and put your makeup on. Yeah, we got to get real with ourselves. We got to let the Father heal us we got to get real with our, with our plight in life. we got to be satisfied in who we are. God's satisfied with you. Who's more important? Father wants to make his abode with you. I mean, if you look at the scripture, you start to preach a message like this. You start digging in the scriptures and like it says that too. And you just start stacking them one on the other. And you're like, the whole Bible is about God loves us. And he does. He's like, okay, finally got that. Jack Frost's been talking about that since 1991. Dude, why don't you you read a little (laughs) bit more? Jesus was talking to him. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. What do we commit sin? Well, cause. We need a, a, met, a need needs to get met. and We're not meeting it in that place that's going to make us feel good and fill us up and give us everything that we need in our lives and, and literally nourish us. In pre-service prayer, one of the uh, prayer intercessors had a dream or had a, uh, a an impression and, and, and told us about it as she was praying that, that the, she saw that some of the roots had been cut off of this tree. And so there were the roots were wounded. it was like a machete cut, and then the roots were wounded, and they began to go back around and and come back down and then you know just just go a different direction and those roots took root, and they went down to make a firm foundation went really really deep and I believe that's us sometimes i mean we've we've probably been whacked at quite a bit, but you know what those roots want to grow. the Lord's going to water them. We just need to keep going for this. If we don't quit, we will win. We really will. We will be free people, but we can't stop until we have our total freedom. I don't care if we've got to go to every deliverance ministry in town. I'm serious. I don't care what it takes. You know, um, in my own life, I was so messed up, you know. To the world, oh, yeah. All right, yeah, that guy really. I was esteemed. Funny, isn't it? You know, I was a person of power and position and money and lots of all the things on the outside. A whitewashed tomb. But you know what? It's not worth anything if you don't have love. It's not worth anything if your life's a wreck. Let's just go for this i got to tell you the truth. I was going to Jimmy Evans' marriage counselors without a wife trying to get my life fixed. Because I, I, once I gave my life to Jesus, I told him, you know, whatever. And I didn't live sin-free for several, I mean, there were many years there when I, I still was not sin-free. I was less sinful than the year before. How's that? You know what? He didn't stop on me and say, look, we made a deal back there in 1994, dude, you sinned all year long. I'm I'm, I'm out of here. Wasn't our contract. Remember, the law says no sin. He didn't do that to me. He just kept loving me, and he's still loving me. I get prayed for half a dozen times in here. Every time I walk in here, some person's hugging me, you know, telling me they love me. It's a great feeling. So, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides. God's not calling us to be workers in his field. God's calling us to live in his house and eat at his table. And we're going to work as a response to our loving father. We're going to work with a heart full of workers unto the Lord, like he told us. We're going to do greater works than the guys that are trying to keep the law into them. Why? Because we want to. Did you know I've managed a lot of employees, the ones that really want to get it done versus the ones that are only doing enough to keep from getting fired? Those first ones get a lot more done. We're the same way. When we're going for it for our own power and position, we're not going to get very far. We're going for it for a paycheck, we're not going to get very far. But when we're passionate about what we do, guess what? People give their lives to Jesus. Therefore, if the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. The Son has set us all free. It's right there. All we have to do is choose him. Choose his father. So how can we do that? How can we enhance our life with father? As we go along, I'd love to give you a formula. I would just tell you some things that I really love. Uh, When I get in worship, I feel God. And I like that feeling. And I want to feel it more and more and more. When I pray in tongues, I feel God. And that's just selfish. That's just for me. But when I pray in tongues, I mean, there's just something happens. Just a piece comes over me. Suddenly I'm okay. And, you know, if something starts to raise up, I'm just like. And now I find myself, it's weird because I'm still a full time businessman, too. And I'll go into maybe I'm in a, um, one of my clients' office or something like that, you know, and I'll catch myself. And then I realize I'm speaking in tongues, you know. I do it all the time. It's really sick. I mean, it's just. I don't even realize it. It's just Because you pray in the tongues a lot, you know, it's just such a wonderful thing to do. I mean, it sounds, my prayer language probably sounds funny to you, but to me, it's just fine. I don't even notice it, you know. <clears throat> I can't hear it over Matthews anyway. <clears throat> Treatment of the people closest to you is a true testimony to how your relationship is with God. That's the truth. So we need to do one of two things, get a better relationship with God or we got to get a better relationship with the person next to us. But either one, it's going to end up being the same result, isn't it? Genesis three six. I saw the fruit. It looked good for food and it was delicious looking and it was desirable. That's not what we want. Didn't do them any good and won't do us any good either. We need to go for this thing. What if a 100 people in Dallas, Texas, on Alpha Road got hold of this? We'd change the whole world. Literally, if you were so sold out that you'd do the night watch, you'd change the world. You're already changing the world. John 8, 28 says, know the truth and the truth will set you free how do we do that we know the truth the words told you every promise over your life we need to hold on to that i'm going to ask uh, ask the ministry or the worship team to come back up and i just want to speak a prayer over you and then if any of this touched your heart at all i just come up and we'll have the people here to pray with you if you'd like uh, I really felt like this week, um, I'm just going to put it out there, if there's anyone here that does not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and I'm not just talking about you said a prayer back when you were seven or something, I'm talking about really experience know God as your Lord and Savior, have given lordship to him, given your life to him at a heart level, if that's you, I want you to come up here, I want to pray for you, Um Don't leave here without doing that. It'll be the very best decision you ever made, just like it was for me. So I'm going to ask you, uh, just if the Lord's pulling your heart, saying, oh, I hope they don't look because my expression just changed. That might be me. No, come up here. Let's pray for you, for real. And then uh, we're going to pray over you if there's some uh, issues that you want to deal with tonight. Remember, the Lord's already told us he does not want us to be orphans. The Scripture's full of it. He does not want us to live with shame. If you've got shame in your life, there's some old wound that came up when we were talking, come up here. We're going to leave it at the cross tonight. You're going to go out of here sparkling clean.